please rate, review, and subscribe to Dare to Explore wherever you listen to podcasts. Dare to Explore is powered by the U.S. Space and Rocket Center Education Foundation, which supports the educational programs of the U.S. Space and Rocket Center, home of Space Camp, working to inspire the next generation of explorers. Learn more about the Foundation's mission at rocketcenterfoundation.org. I was told to go call Buzz by the the staff at the at the National Space Society. They said it was really just to call all the members of the board of directors. And I got down the list and um, to inform them of like when a meeting was happening. And I got down the list and I said, "You don't really want me to call Buzz, right? I mean, there's got to be a number." And no, no, just call him. So I went back to my office and you know nervously dialed and hung up. Nervously dialed. <laughs> Uh, it was like I was getting ready for a date or something uh, or asking someone out. I, got, I really did not expect him to pick up the phone. I was expecting an assistant or someone, but he picked up. I nervously you know, just told him about the meeting. He thanked me and hung up. Robert Perlman is a space historian and the founder and editor of the website Collect Space. He was the director of communications and the marketing director for Space Adventures, the first space tourism company to send private individuals to the International Space Station. He's a Space Camp Hall of Fame member and a contributing writer to Space.com. I'm Ryan Faricelli. Join me as I learn what makes this extraordinary individual dare to explore. I've got a spaceship that I'm waiting for. I'm flying up to the stars. I'm gonna dare to explore this time. I grew up in West Orange, New Jersey, uh, which claim to fame is where Edison invented the light bulb, about 45 minutes outside of New York City. There wasn't a lot of space activities to be had around, at least least in the immediate vicinity. Uh, But from a very early age, I think my earliest memory is around six years old, um, I became fascinated with space and astronomy and fortunately had parents that were very supportive of, of nurturing that interest. And so... Uh, we would take day trips into the city um, to go to the Hayden Planetarium, now the Rose Center for Earth and Space, or to go to the Intrepid Sierra and Space Museum. And there was a, a astronomy course at the local Y that I took, but that was sort of the limit of what I could get other than books out of the library. My mother was a former teacher, um, and so she brought out her clippings from the moon landing, um, which I prized. Uh, my father was an optometrist and then led an optical buying group. Um, and so there was a science interest in the family. And my grandfather had a strong interest in, in astronomy and had actually ground his own lens to build a telescope. And so I uh, was very supportive of my interest in that area. Yeah, that was my, that, I, I grew up with a, a younger sister, three and a half years younger, um, about as interested as I was in space. She was in animation. Oh, and wow. so. As, as kids, family, a family trip to, uh, f- to Florida was um, you know, most of the time at Disney, but one day at Kennedy Space Center. So, um, so we sort of shared our, our common interests on that trip. 
That's wonderful. Was there was there a moment, a thing that got you into space, or did it just kind of develop naturally? Which also happens with with kids. Sometimes it's just rockets are cool. Um, I think it started as just that 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 I just had a common interest like other kids looking around because I remember I became fascinated with dinosaurs at one point and decided I was going to be a paleontologist. I became interested in optometry, following in my dad's uh, footsteps. But I always had space as sort of my comeback subject. Right. Um, and I don't know what triggered that interest other than my parents talking about it. You know, when I was born in, I was born in 1976. So I was four years before um, the next manned launch in my lifetime was STS-1. Um, I do have vague memories of watching on TV. And my parents, because I did have that strong of an interest, made accommodations so that even when I was at school during uh, launch time would arrange for me to go to the library so I could watch the launch live on television. The uh, But I don't know what, what really inspired that interest. It was just something that came and I know in kindergarten they asked you to write down who your heroes were and I wrote Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong. So it was something that, that was just it was just something that came about and, and I just never I never released. Right. When I was 11 years old the movie Space Camp came out in theaters. Okay. But um, I wanted to go to uh, see Karate Kid. I think Karate Kid was in theaters opposite it. And my dad was adamant that, that was too violent of a movie to take me. <laughs> uh, but Space Camp was on. And since I was interested in space, I you know didn't put up too much of a fight. But really what that movie did for me was I when the credits rolled, I insisted that they had to have filmed that at a real space camp. And my dad was like, no, it's just a Hollywood set. And so we sat through the credits to watch to see filmed on location at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center. Um, and uh, from that point on, I think my dad may have um, somewhat regretted taking me to the movie because <laughs> I, it was nonstop from that point on. I want to go. I want to go get an application. I want to go. We fortunately had another young boy on our block that had gone. Uh, he was a couple of years older than me. Um, and so his parents knew where to get, like, where to call and such. Right. And got in that that little booklet um, that is classic of the '80s. We filled it, my parents filled out the application, you know, filled out the information and sent it in and booked me a, um, my first experience in August of 1987. And I went to Huntsville Ford Space Camp Week. Uh, it was my first time traveling uh, alone, and I uh, absolutely loved it. That same year, I fell ill and um, started a round of going to doctor after doctor over a year's period, trying to be diagnosed of what I had that extended everywhere from cancer to a mild stomach ulcer. Ultimately, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which today is a lot better known than it was back then. Right. Uh, at the time that I was diagnosed, I was said to be one of seven kids in the United States that had it. And space camp became somewhat of the... Uh, escape for me to get away from the illness. So the following year, uh, Space Camp Florida opened. And, and so I went in 1988 to Space Camp Florida. That was the only year I attended that program. Um, and then in 89, I went back to Space Camp uh, in Huntsville for Academy One. Then I skipped a year because my dad passed away mm. uh, uh, and then came back in 92 and 93 to attend Academy Two. Space Camp, what Space Camp did for me, I think, more than anything else, was it took that boyhood interest in space and refined it into a career aspir aspiration. I knew after the first week, and they actually have this on tape, 
me saying that I, you know, I'm from West Orange. I don't get to see much space, and and I now know I want to be an astronaut. And and I was absolutely serious. And from that point on, I, that was my goal. Um, I was going to uh, go to whatever the best school was to get my undergraduate, then get my graduate, then uh, pick the right degree to refine for NASA's programs, go to a co-op program with NASA. I was going to do everything possible to be eligible for. The, to be the best candidate for NASA's astronaut corps. That was all because of space camp. It showed me, uh, I think, the realism of working in simulators. And um, and even though I couldn't do everything, at the, when I was at the height of my sickness attending space camp, for example, it had stunted my growth. So I was four foot eight for a couple of years. And so I was not tall enough to ride the multi-axis trainer. I would pose in it for photos. But it just made me want to do it more. And so uh, that's that's what my space camp experience was. When you graduated high school, you, you went to college at the University of Maryland. Was your educational pursuit there also still aiming for, for being an astronaut? Uh, it was. I had picked a double major, astronomy and physics. Uh, just before, in my senior year of high school, my grandfather arranged for us to spend a weekend at Cornell University uh, with Carl Sagan. And it was um, it was a symposium, a three day symposium. And at one point I was able to talk to him for a little while and told him of my aspirations. And he said that um, you shouldn't really care about where you go for your undergraduate. But when you when you go for your graduate, come to Cornell and study with him. Um, and sort of at that point in my life, Carl Sagan was my model of what I was going to do professionally to order to qualify to become an astronaut, astronomy and physics. Uh, and I uh, pursued that degree for three and a half years in college at the University of Maryland. I picked the University of Maryland because it had a great astronomy program, but it also was right next to Goddard Space Flight Center, which I felt I could get a co-op program with. And it was nearby NASA headquarters and the National Air and Space Museum. So it seemed like a great opportunity to expose myself to a lot of space. We started a, a, a campus chapter of the um, Maryland Students for the Exploration and Development of Space, MSEDS, as we called it, or SEDS is the national organization. Um, and I went on to actually chair the national organization in my junior year in college. The Intuitive Planetarium is an immersive digital dome theater experience that offers educational astronomy shows, live entertainment, and exciting theater experiences. The only one of its kind in the Southeast, the Intuitive Planetarium at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center offers an 8K digital planetarium and digital dome experience. Additional time tickets are required for Intuitive Planetarium experiences. Visit rocketcenter.com for tickets today. But in my junior year in college, I came to the realization that the surgery that was that I needed to save my life from the illness of Crohn's was going to permanently disqualify me from ever becoming a member of the NASA Astronaut Corps, no matter how fit or academically talented or experience-wise, no matter what I did, they were never going to let me fly because of my medical condition. And it sort of broke me. I didn't know what I had been so focused for all those years on that was what I was going to do. I didn't have a, a, a backup plan. But there were two things that sort of fell into place. One, 
I had always enjoyed writing. In high school, I had won a national writing award. And um, I, so I had some uh, science fiction stories, short stories that I had written that had gotten some good attention. Um, and I applied for the English department to take me. It was a little bit of an uphill battle because at first they said they didn't accept genre uh, work as a qualifier. Second, there was this bias on campus. I think just about anywhere on any campus that at that point in time, at least, that scientists can't write. Right. In fact, the journalism school told me that outright and told me they wouldn't let me into to take journalism classes because engineers can't write. To which I corrected them, I'm not an engineer, I'm a scientist. But I finally got into the English department. The other thing was our class, our freshman class was the first class to get a, a one megabyte of disk space for something called a website. And I was in the right place at the right time at the birth of the of the web. This was before Google, before any search engine. Um, and before Yahoo became a directory for for where things were on the web, I developed a, a, a site called Space that was a directory to all the web, space websites that I could find, sort of give a way of navigating to each of them. Didn't know what Space stood for, although I knew it was an acronym. And in the second year of the site, ran a contest with readers uh, as to what Space stood for. Mm-hmm. And a physicist at the Lawrence Livermore Laboratory uh, was the winner, um, and it was the Space Planetary and Astronomical Cyber Experience. Uh, so you can see that was rightly 90s. Right. Uh, that site opened up some doors for me. Um, I spun off a site from that called Ask an Astronaut, which was the very first time that the public had the opportunity to interact with astronauts online, even before NASA did so, um, well before Twitter. How did you finagle your way into the favor of astronauts to, to get them to, to answer questions from people? So I, I partnered with the National Space Society, an organization that I had been a member of uh, for many, like since I was a kid. Um, their headquarters was in Washington, D.C. I met their leadership at a conference on campus, which I was co-leading, and they invited me to come uh, work for them as an intern at their office. I knew, a, I knew of a couple of astronauts that I had befriended in the area. Uh, they helped arrange others like Buzz Aldrin, uh, who was the chairman of the National Space Society at the time. And then we worked together as well to, with John Glenn. He, had, he was just about to prepare to go to space for his second time on the shuttle after his Mercury flight. And we asked if he would do the Ask an Astronaut session from space. And we recruited Yahoo as a partner and Microsoft as a sponsor and sent the letter over to NASA headquarters uh, on behalf of the National Space Society saying uh, that we'd like to do this and that John Glenn's on board. We got back a letter from uh, Dan Golden at the time, who was NASA administrator, saying that the astronaut's time is very limited in space and we can, and only so much time can be set aside for public affairs opportunities. And we cannot devote time to something like vanity press, such as the internet. (laughs) <laughs> um, so that was 1997. So he went to he, he went the following year uh, in '98, um, and he ended up taking part in, in Ask an Astronaut. We accepted the questions while he was in space, and then he answered them when he came back down. The site won a Kid Site of the Year award and really paved the way for what we now see and what we saw open up in terms of other online forums for astronauts to take part and now them tweeting back and forth with their fans. That spun off into my being invited to do Buzz Aldrin's first website and opening doors to other opportunities. Uh, Before he asked me to do his website, I had 
I attended a conference, a National Space Society conference, where he was giving a talk. I was in the audience. I was a bit of a tech geek, still am, but I had one of the early Palm Pilots, the PDAs that uh, at that time, personal data assistants. I was taking notes on his talk on the on the Palm, and he ended his talk and he got off the stage. He walked around the audience and came down to the row I was sitting in, walked down the aisle and, and sat down next to me <laughs> and said, what's that? And I explained to him what a Palm Pilot was and showed him how it worked within a couple of minutes. And the next day he had bought three of them. Oh, wow. And I became his de facto Palm Pilot technical support. <laughs> so he would call me whenever he ran into problems with his palm. And I know the exact moment when my starstruck nature sort of wore off. There was one morning he called at 3 a.m. And he was overseas, didn't realize the time zone difference. I picked up the phone sort of groggily and he in you know, hello? And this is Buzz, I need your help. And I said, uh, Buzz, it's three in the morning. I'll call you back. And I hung up. <laughs> um, I really thought that when I woke up the next morning, or I really hoped, prayed that that was a dream. But uh, sure enough, it wasn't. It was real. And I called him back and apologized. And he then apologized because he said he didn't know what the time zone difference was. But then by that point, we had gotten to know each other pretty well, at least in terms of a working relationship. And that's when he uh, asked me to do his website. Technically, I was still in school. I was still in college. And he was the one who told me that, uh, you know, you can pursue your degrees, but you're not going to get a degree in web programming from, from a university. And you also have the space background, which is unique. So you should go capitalize on that now. And so I actually did leave college before graduating. I had one problem. I sold him. There is no way I'm going to be allowed to leave college my mom is going to kill me. The only way I could possibly think that my mom would allow for it or even be not allow for it, but at least understand it, it was, and I said to him, Buzz, you have to call my mom. And so, <laughs> so he called my mom and they had a nice conversation, one that she proudly um, boasted to her friends for a good deal of time. I bet. Um, and uh, she didn't, I, I don't think she ever completely accepted it, but that she understood that there was an opportunity. And as she saw my my professional career come together, she understood that it was the right it was the right decision. So Buzz sort of changed the course of my life. That's amazing. Uh, um, but that that site and Ask an Astronaut and the work I did at the National Space Society eventually entered, I eventually went to work on their staff, full time staff, um, as their director of online programs. And uh, while I was at the National Space Society had the chance to work on um, a number of different projects, but one of them being the online educator's guide for the from HBO miniseries from the Earth to the Moon, uh, which uh, allowed me to work with the actors and uh, and astronauts who they played to pair them for web chats and to help spread the the truth behind each of the episodes, which was most of the episodes were, were pretty factual, but we nitpicked. Uh, you know where we could and show where what the differences were. I was also writing articles for the National Space Society's uh, magazine at Astra, um, and I wrote a cover article about space tourism. It might be the first cover article about space tourism published in any publication hmm. uh, during the years that space tourism was actually becoming a thing. 
uh, not just science fiction. I profiled three companies that were promising to do to take passengers to space, sort of grouped them into coach, business class, and first class. And the business class um, category was uh, was profiled a company called Space Adventures. And uh, they, uh, at the time, did not have a full-time em um, employee. They had a part-time employee and a couple of uh, board members, their CEO coming to me and saying, uh, would you want to come and work for us and develop our website and online presence, help develop our programs? And it seemed like uh, a great opportunity to make the jump. So I went to work for Space Adventures. I was their first full-time employee, um, director of communications. And uh, under that role, not only developed their website, but an online presence, but also helped with other members of the staff develop the programs we were going to offer. And Space Adventures went on to become the only company arranged private individuals to go to the International Space Station. Uh, Axiom was the second. Space Adventures was the first, launching um, individuals on Russian Soyuz spacecraft uh, to the International Space Station. For the couple of years I worked there, uh, we recruited space tourists. It was while I was at Space Adventures that uh, we spun off another .com called starport.com that then brought back in my other older sites to sort of package astronauts as we do with sports stars or celebrities for endorsement deals and such. Um, and within six months of starting that site, uh, space.com bought us and brought us online. So I ended up going to work for space.com and uh, in New York for a year. Space.com launched on July 20th, 1999 the 30th anniversary of the uh, Apollo 11 moon landing. And that was the same day that I brought online a hobby site of mine, which I thought no one was ever going to see, called CollectSpace. So what what is CollectSpace? So initially CollectSpace was going to be a site just to catalog my own personal space memorabilia and a sort of playground for me to test out scripts and uh, development tools that I could use in my professional uh, on my professional websites. Um, but someone found it. I don't still to this day do not know how and said, um, are you going to continue doing this? We don't have a site for space memorabilia collectors. We want one. Um, and by uh, word of mouth, I, I agreed and I um, started developing it. I started a discussion board and by word of mouth, we had went from uh, 10 to 500 people by the end of the first year. The site has now become uh, 22 years later, a site that focuses on where pop culture intersects with space exploration um, in all in all of its means. So everything from entertainment, um, music, television, movies, uh, sports, opera. We also still do museums and, and space collectors, as our name would imply. And looking at today's space exploration efforts through the lens of space history. Uh, how does it compare to what we did before or how we imagined it would be today? And we now have 350,000 readers on site hmm. and uh, through a syndication deal with media partners, including space.com, uh, we reach four and a half million people monthly. I am the editor and uh, primary writer for the site. We now have other writers and photographers and volunteers who help run parts of the site. We have a very, very uh, dedicated um a volunteer group that runs a couple of features on our message boards, including photo of the week and a space, what's called a space cover of the week, um, philatelic or, or postmarked envelopes for a certain event in space history. And uh, 
and have readers from around the world. So it's been a, it's been a great. I call it the best job in the world with the lousiest paycheck, but it's. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, but it really is. It really is the best job in the world because it's opened a lot of doors for me to experience things that I wouldn't have otherwise. It afforded me the opportunity to come back to space camp as an, as an adult. And also in part, uh, I think, uh, as they described was what brought me to be honored as a member of the space camp hall of fame. I'm grateful for that alone. Around the same time you started Collect Space, uh, you were also involved with the, the National Air and Space Museum, right? Doing um, webcasts for them. Lockheed started Space Day in May of each year. Um, and as part of that, they did this webcast. The first year was actually a 24-hour webcast. Uh, we didn't know what we were doing. Um, <laughs> we were, as a team, we were exhausted after that 24 hours. But it was very rewarding. And then we did smaller productions every year for a couple more years after that. My role was as the on-air online host. So to be able to tell people, to tell the hosts that were um, like Miles O'Brien and others that were, that were providing commentary on the webcast, what people online were saying. So we held polls and questions and we had discussion boards. I don't know how the idea came about, but in the very first webcast on, they decided that they put me in a full spacesuit um it was a costume but it was a very accurate replica of the space shuttle external uh, extravehicular mobility unit the the spacesuit they wear outside the space station today um and outside the space shuttle during those years and so i wore that big spacesuit for my time on air um and because it was filmed at the national air and space museum i got to walk around the national air and space museum wearing a spacesuit which was great because it had all these kids running up to me. Are you an astronaut? And, well, no, but I play one on TV, <laughs> um, and uh, and got to got them engaged in in the activities for Space Day. But it was really a rewarding experience. I still stay in touch with a number of the team members who put that on. It was a great project while it lasted. Through Collect Space, we have a syndication agreement where anything that uh, that uh, I write for space for Collect Space can be syndicated on space.com and other media partners' websites. Um, I'm also a freelance writer with them, so there's op- opportunities where they need someone, either someone who's specifically related to, has a knowledge of space history or space tourism or some of the other areas I specialize in, where uh, they'll assign me an article to write, um, and I'll write it for them. Uh, I write for other w- websites and publications as well. I've written for Ars Technica. I've written for Space News. And I've had pieces from that I've written for CollectSpace run on all three, all four major networks, uh, television network sites, um, as well as CNN and uh, and MSNBC and um, and on sites like MTV.com. I've also uh, been the co-author on a book that came out a couple of years ago on space stations uh, that was published by Smithsonian Press, and have been working on a new book now. So in 2009, you were in, inducted in the Space Camp Hall of Fame. As, a, as part of the Space Camp Hall of Fame, uh, as a group, all the inductees have um, worked together on different projects during the year uh, for like the auction at the in- annual induction and such. And I volunteered for Space Camp where I can. When they ask uh, for, for support from their alumni, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to participate. Now, what is the, the U.S. Space Walk of Fame? Right. I was right. on the board of directors for okay. it. Um, the U.S. Space Walk of Fame Foundation uh, runs uh, the American Space Museum and the Space Walk of Fame in Titusville, Florida. 
It's um, a series of monuments that recognize space workers from Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, and the space shuttle programs, as well as a museum that um, sort of curates the personal items from people who worked on the space program directly. Um, I served on their board for a couple of years. Um, I also serve on the board for the leadership board for um, For All Moonkind, which is an organization working to make sure that the Apollo artifacts, actually all the human-made artifacts on the moon are preserved and not um, and are not disturbed where they are on the moon. And I've also been on the leadership board for the uh, Mars Generation, which supports Space Camp, uh, which looks at taking uh, the next generation and, and inspiring them to push for Mars. And then I'm on the history committee for the, the American Astronautical Society and um, recently was honored by them with the Ordway Award for Sustained Excellence in Space History, um, named after Fred Ordway, who was a member of Von Braun's team and who, uh, not Rocket Team, he was one of the PR guys that worked with, uh, mm. with Von Braun, but, but worked directly with Kubrick on uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey and who helped popularize space exploration for many, many years. Um, I got to know him a little bit because he was on the National uh, Space Society's Board of Governors when I was an intern at the NSS. Um, and so was um, super thrilled to be honored by them as well. And you are on the nominating induction committee for the, the Kennedy Space Center's Hall of Fame, right? The U.S. Astronaut Hall of Fame. Uh, so each year I get to vote on which astronauts should be inducted into the Hall of Fame, <laughs> which a lot of people ask, you know, they're astronauts. Shouldn't they all be in the Hall of Fame? We try to make our selections based on or they try to ask us to make our selections, not just based on what astronauts have done in space, but what they've used their position as an astronaut after they left NASA to contribute to the U.S. space program. I have been fortunate to get to work with a lot of astronauts. I got to work and got to know 11 of the 12 moonwalkers. I got to work with six of the seven Mercury astronauts. I certainly had a lot of experience working with Buzz Aldrin over the years. And like I said before, he changed my life. So the direction of where I was going professionally. And so I'm, I will always be for, forever indebted to him. Really, I've looked at all of them and I've never really lost that starstruck nature. While I keep it professional the, and um, and I see them for who they are, there is a little bit of that little boy in me that that's what I want to be when I grow up, even though now there are astronauts that are younger than me. Train like an astronaut and get lost in space at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center. Shuttle simulator programs are available to try your hand at piloting the shuttle and is based on both the past and the future of space exploration. Your team of up to four participants must work together to land the shuttle and bring the crew safely home. Museum admission is required. Find out available times, prices, and more at rocketcenter.com and get ready to blast off. try to be as as accessible as possible to promote what I think is important, which is a spacefaring civilization. Um, I still hope to go to space someday myself, now on a commercial rocket. hope to bring that full circle and maybe ride on a on a Blue Origin or, or Virgin Galactic flight at some point. You didn't uh, you didn't work that into your uh, into your space adventures contract? Actually I had a suborbital ticket when I worked at, at Space Adventures. 
but that was because I designed the suborbital tickets for our customers. <laughs> so you just um, printed one? <laughs> I made one out for myself and joked around the office that I was going to hold them to it. <laughs> um, hopefully someday, you know, either it's a journalist seat or, or, you know, scratching out the money to do so when the price comes down to, uh, be able to experience space myself. I think being able to see the earth in space is something that, you know, tells that we've heard before with the overview effect that it, 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 it that there's just no way to capture it on film and, and accurately show how life changing that is. And I'd really like to experience that. I've experienced weightlessness before on a parabolic flight. Um, although, you know, that's only 30 seconds, would like to have a longer experience. Right. Um, the rocket ride, I think, is something that I'd be terrified of, but I'd also be <laughs> thrilled to go on. I just think the ability to appreciate in some small way what Alan Shepard did back in 1961 would enhance my understanding of what those risks were back then and what astronauts put on the line to this day. I look up to what they've been able to accomplish um, and, and hope that someday I'll be able to join their ranks, if, if only in a small part on a commercial flight. When I was pursuing the career astronaut path, I went into astronomy and physics, and I really couldn't ever see myself being an, an astrophysicist working in, a, you know, working in an observatory or in a, at a college. It was only a means to an end. And it wasn't until I discovered web programming and then journalism that I found my real passion. And that's what allowed me to really prosper and, and find my way into the space program. And there's so many different ways into work for the space program. You know, right now, NASA's not taking journalists as, as astronauts, but someday they might. If you if you are passionate about the subject that you're doing, then then you'll excel in the work that you're doing, and you'll become the best in your field. Not that I'm saying I am, but um, you you'll you'll excel. And it, and even if your all your dreams don't come true, you'll still have fun, great fun doing it. My my best advice is 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 find what you really like to do, and then find how it relates to the space program if that's what you want to do, uh, and find your niche in it. I've got a spaceship that I'm waiting for. I'm flying up to the stars. I'm gonna dare to explore this time. 